Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. We are looking at chapter 10 in volume 2 of the book Doctrines of Salvation, a book that was compiled by Bruce R. McConkie, who afterwards became a Mormon apostle. But he is citing his father-in-law, Joseph Fielding Smith. And we're looking at the topic of salvation for the dead. But quite interesting, it's actually in a chapter that's titled Salvation for the Living. And on page 181, he has the subheading, No Second Chance for Salvation. We began this series yesterday by bringing out the fact that even Joseph Fielding Smith said that many Latter-day Saints are confused or at least misunderstand about the doctrine of salvation for the dead. He says this on page 184. So we thought, since even Latter-day Saints can be confused about this, then certainly it should not come as any big surprise that non-Latter-day Saints might be confused about this doctrine that is so unique to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So today we're going to start from the beginning of chapter 10 and go through some of the things that the 10th president of the church, Joseph Fielding Smith, had to say on this topic when he speaks of no second chance for salvation. Our scriptures are very explicit in their declaration in relation to the requirements made of sons and daughters of God. They who overcome all things are to be crowned as sons and daughters of God and be members of the church of the firstborn. Now, there's a number of things that we need to explain just in this first paragraph. First of all, when he says, they who overcome all things are to be crowned as sons and daughters of God and be members of the church of the firstborn. We should first explain what does it mean in the context of Mormonism to be a member of the church of the firstborn. This is what... Joseph Fielding Smith said in volume 2, page 41, exalted beings belong to church of firstborn. Those who gain exaltation in the celestial kingdom are those who are members of the church of the firstborn. In other words, those who keep all the commandments of the Lord, there will be many who are members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints who shall never become members of the church of the firstborn. So many members are never going to reach what Joseph Fielding Smith is describing as an exalted state, according to Mormonism. And I notice, Eric, that he talks about having to keep all of the commandments. And that's important because notice when he says, they who overcome all things. Now, a footnote here says Revelation 21.7. But if you look at Revelation 21.7, and I'm reading from the Joseph Smith translation, which reads just like the King James in this particular instance, it says, he that overcometh shall inherit all things. It doesn't say, he that overcometh all things shall inherit. It says, he that overcometh shall inherit all things. 
And that becomes important because there's also a reference to the Doctrine and Covenants, section 76, verses 51 to 60, at the end of that paragraph. And this is where Joseph Smith changes Revelation 21, 7 to make it appear that you must overcome all things. Let's try to understand this from a Christian perspective. What is the Church of the Firstborn? I have a commentary here. It's written by Simon Kistemacher. And in his commentary in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23. And let me just read that, Bill. It says, To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. That's all it says, folks. So what does that mean, church of the firstborn? Well, Simon Kistemacher is going to explain. He said the New Testament shows repeatedly that Jesus is the firstborn. Of the nine occurrences of this word, and he gives all the examples, including Matthew 125, Romans 829, Colossians 115, he says seven refer to Jesus. One passage, Hebrews 1128, relates to Egypt's firstborn slain by the angel of death, and the other passage is Hebrews 1223, and it, he says, concerns believers. The privilege of the firstborn is that he is able to lay claim to the inheritance. Christ is therefore the heir, and we are co-heirs with him, according to Romans 8.17. We value our birthright, whereas Esau despised it, according to Hebrews 12.16. We are firstborn because of Christ who makes us holy, and we who are made holy belong to the same family. Bill, let me show you the difference between what Hebrews 12 is talking about and what Joseph Smith said in Doctrine and Covenants section 76. Because in verse 54 of section 76, he says, they are they who are the church of the firstborn. What does a person have to do in order to become a member of the church of the firstborn, according to Joseph Smith? Well, you have to have received the testimony of Jesus. You have to believe in his name. You had to be baptized in the manner of his burial. You had to be baptized in water. You had to keep the commandments that you might be washed and cleansed from all their sins. And you had to overcome, verse 53, by faith and are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, which the Father sheds upon all those who are just and true. In Mormonism, there's a whole bunch of the way of requirements, all these works that have to be done, including keeping the commandments. How many of them? Every Latter-day Saint knows the answer to that, all of them. How often? All of the time. In Christianity, to be a member of the Church of the Firstborn is to be a believer through faith and faith alone, and we've talked about that many times on this show. In this same chapter, now we're looking at the second paragraph of chapter 10. Now remember, the chapter title is Salvation for the Living, subtitle, No Second Chance for Salvation. And what's fascinating is the verse he's going to quote from the Book of Mormon in this second paragraph. He says, we are taught in the Book of Mormon, quote, For behold, now is the time and the day of your salvation. This life is the time for men to prepare to meet God. Yea, behold, the day of this life is the day for men to perform their labors, end quote. These people to whom Amulek was speaking had heard the truth and were not altogether ignorant of the plan of salvation because they had gone out of the church by apostasy. So we declared unto them that this is the day for them to repent and turn unto God or they would be lost. Now what's interesting is that 
he has a footnote to that last portion of the paragraph, footnote number three, and it's from the Relief Society magazine, volume six, page 466. It's a magazine that's dated June 9th, 1919. In that magazine, it says, these people to whom Amulek was speaking had heard the truth and were not altogether ignorant of the plan of salvation because they had gone out of the church by apostasy. The problem, of course, is that is Joseph Fielding Smith quoting Joseph Fielding Smith. That's not normally how you do it when you're trying to make a point for yourself is to quote yourself and to, as the only support for what he's trying to say. When you look at Alma 34, you find that it's basically, it's a general, it's a general admonition to men in general. And Joseph Fielding Smith even cites that portion here in the paragraph. For behold, now is the time and the day of your salvation. This life is the time for men to prepare to meet God. Yea, behold, the day of this life is the day for men to perform their labors. Now, he classifies the people that are being addressed here by Amulek as being apostates. It's not really all that clear that that's true. In fact, Amulek continually reminds the people that he's referring to, he keeps calling them brethren. He talks about them as brethren. That you Now, you might say, well, maybe he's talking about Nephites and Lamanites. Well, it doesn't sound like a sermon that you would give to apostates. It sounds like you may be giving this sermon to people who might have questions or are not doing what they probably should be doing, but certainly it doesn't really sound like apostates. It's actually an admonition for men in general. And I don't think we should lose sight of that. The reason I bring that up is because Joseph Fielding Smith isn't the only Mormon leader that cited Alma 34. You have Spencer W. Kimball. And the way he uses these passages from the Book of Mormon is certainly not as if it's being addressed specifically to apostates. Yeah, I mean, in chapter 1, he starts off, this life is the time, and he quotes out of Alma chapter 34, verse 32, and in the very first paragraph, he said, it is the destiny of spirits of men to come to this earth and travel a journey of indeterminate length. They travel sometimes dangerously, sometimes safely, sometimes sadly, sometimes happily. Always the road is marked by divine purpose. And then if you move over to page 9, after he's talking about Alma 34, and this is what he says about the dangers of delay, because men are prone to postpone action and ignore directions. The Lord has repeatedly given strict injunctions and issued solemn warnings again and again in different phraseology. And throughout the centuries, the Lord has reminded man so that he could never have excuse. And the burden of the prophetic warning has been that the time to act is now in this mortal life. One cannot with impunity delay his compliance with God's commandments. Now we're just quoting a little bit out of chapter one, but nowhere does Spencer W. Kimball make it appear that apostates are being talked about, but it's for everybody, Mormon or non-Mormon, you cannot delay repentance until the next life. And that's why I think Joseph Fielding Smith's use of the word apostasy can give a Latter-day Saint a very false sense of security. 
they might read those passages of what Amulek was saying is expected a person must do and then think to themselves, well, but I'm not an apostate. I'm a member of the church. I go to the temple. I've been baptized. I partake of the sacrament. I give my tithes. I don't fit into that category, so therefore, I guess it's okay for me to procrastinate the day of our repentance. I still think that that kind of reasoning would be wrong because other leaders have talked about the danger of putting off getting things right in your life before you die or procrastinating your repentance. So I I do think that That word apostasy is being read into these passages. I think what we have here is a case of Joseph Fielding Smith doing a bit of eisegesis. That word is not even used in those chapters leading up to chapter 34. And Bill, we quote Alma 34, and we've done this many times before on this radio show, as uh, authoritative. And it's not authoritative to us, but it is supposed to be authoritative to the Latter-day Saint. But I'm going to say, I would agree with the idea that this life is a time. Hebrews 9.27 and 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 both say that it's needing to be done in this life. There is not a second chance of salvation. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism. Introducing Christianity to Mormons, a new book by Mormonism Research Ministries' Eric Johnson is set to be released on September 13th. But if you'd like to get an early copy, Eric will be at the Utah Lighthouse Bookstore on Saturday, September 10th from noon to 5, and will be happy to sign your copy. Now, the bookstore is located right there at 1358 South and West Temple, which is just west of the Smith Ballpark in Salt Lake City. Once again, it's all happening on Saturday, September 10th from noon to 5 p.m. We'll see you there.